This is where we hold them. This is where we fight. the rack podcast featuring brooklyn rob and big mike rob what's good homie yo what to do what to do what to do nephew oh you don't sound good bro man i'm feeling like crap bro i'm sick as a dog right now powering through for the people powering through i woke up this morning feeling like ass bro and I, I i think i caught some yesterday I, I was out and about in uh you know tempe area and i was uh you know just hanging with some friends for a birthday party and man i woke up this morning i'm like man i caught something i knew it so you know hopefully tomorrow i'll be able to go to work but right now i'm feeling like ass so um, all right power through for the people yeah. uh welcome to everybody in the chat uh it's our it's our second weekly episode here uh and and we're here strictly to uh, break down the PBA action, Rob. There was a a PBA title awarded on uh, on Friday night. It was. I wasn't a, honestly a big fan of when they uh, aired the finals, I, and I understand like you know, look like they have to like fit a schedule or whatnot. But that's like prime time, like Friday, like what, like my time, five p.m. or four p.m. or whatever it was. Uh, I would like to see the finals get aired on Saturday afternoon. Um, I think to me, that's just a better airing time for finals. So I wasn't a big fan of that, uh, honestly, but you know, I was able to watch one of the matches, uh, you know, on my phone, literally just like running errands, watching my phone and shit after work. Um, but, uh, I rewatched a couple of the final matches later. So it's cool. Bolt TV. You could like easily pull up the step ladder and watch it when you want, or at least later at night. Right. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. If Saturday is reasonable. I'll be honest with you. But I think that seven o'clock Eastern is a little early if you're trying to get the largest viewing audience you can you can get. You know, I think like like nine o'clock Eastern is probably a better time. You know, if if you're trying to attract uh, as many people as you can. But you know, I I half-heartedly agree with your sentiment there. But uh, yeah, PBA title awarded, and uh, no, you know, no spoiler alert here. I'm sure everybody who's listening to this tuned into the to the show, or at least by this point has caught up on uh, on who won. And uh, Anthony Simonson takes it down, eleventh uh, title, I believe, Rob. Yeah, I kind of want to feel like I think we need to discuss. I think it's an interesting conversation, maybe uh, later on when we talk a- after we do our rundown and whatnot of right now who's the best bowler in the world. Because I think valid arguments between EJ and Simo, both parties have valid arguments on who the best bowler in the world right now is. Honestly, like, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think how, you know, well, even even if you go back two years, I think both can still make a strong argument, you know. Uh, and I, I also think that, as we discussed a couple weeks back when, when EJ won for the second time, you know, we kind of discussed the historical implications of that. You know, I think that uh, a similar conversation can be had, uh, uh, you know, a hypothetical conversation anyway, can be had as far as Simo's concerned. I mean, 11 titles at 25 years old with a few majors under his belt already. Uh, it seems like anybody who's ahead of him in any statistical category is 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 within reach it's there's such different players in the fact where like when ej has it he like completely runs away with like qualifying and match play sometimes where he'll lead by like hundreds of pins simo is a different type of player simo is very versatile i mean he showed his versatility in the stepladder uh he's able to like play him completely different than everybody else um but so would you rather be an EJ where when you have it, you're going to probably make a final match or your Simo where you're making consistently top tens and then you're just grinding it out. Um, so it's just an interesting conversation because they're two different type of players. 
Uh, Simo is definitely more versatile than, than Tackett is, but when Tackett has it, he, you know, strikes a lot more than Simo does. So uh, interesting conversation argument. Wow. Hot takes in the chat by Robert Hamilton. He believes that the Belmo torch has been passed. Not saying that Belmo's going away, but there's a new king on the horizon. Oof, man. That's a that's a bold claim, bro. I mean, we knew it was going to happen. And I'm not saying, like, it's completely passed because I don't – I think we're going to see Belmo this year, trust me. It's going to happen, uh, and it'll be probably a major, <laughs> which is usually when Belmo uh, puts on his uh, striking shoes, uh, usually one of the big ones, the Masters um, or the TOC. But, like, dude, like, Simo is how old? What twenty four? What's his uh? Is that twenty five? Twenty five? Yeah. Man. What he's doing right now is is crazy. Twenty eleven titles, twenty five. Few majors included in that. I mean, twenty five. You know, like I, that's what I'm saying. Like any anybody who's ahead of him in any statistical category, whether it be. Earnings, titles, majors—you know—all you know—all you know, these things. I think it's 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 possible. You know, it's it's within the realm of possibility that he he tra- he tracks them all down. You know, especially with 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 the kind of start that he's had to his career. I want to pull up Nico's comment because he's always like hot uh, for some reason. He's always angry. Love us, Nico. Love Nico. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that, Rob. Did you watch him at the U.S. Open? Jason didn't have his best performance, so. You're going to criticize the best bowl in the world because he had one bad performance. Yeah, especially it being the first tournament of the year. Yeah, you know, I think I'm I'm almost willing to write that off. Yeah, see, Santu Santu's 26, but Santu don't don't even have a single title yet. Santu's Simo's 25 and has 11 with a few majors under his belt. I mean, they're not they're not even in the same stratosphere. Not even like if Santu ends his career. If Santu ends his career with with Simo's resume right now, he'd be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Okay. So so like that ain't even in the same category, man. I mean, you know. But all right, let's uh, you know, the the, the the people come for our rundown, Rob. That's why we're here. We're gonna make it a quick show tonight, hopefully. Uh, and the people come for our rundown of the tournament. Uh, it was a great event. It was great. I, I'll be honest. Like I was, I couldn't watch much of the match play because again, the timing not the best. Not the best. See, like if you if you move the timing of the step ladder back, you can also move the timing of the match play back, and then you're going to get more people who are able to watch that second and final block of match play. Like that was going on while I was commuting from work, and I get home, I got the kids to deal with. If you're on the West Coast, like you, it's the middle of your work day, you know. So I mean, unless unless you know you, you you're having such an easy day that you can sit back and just. Uh, do nothing but watch bowling. It's tough. So uh, I didn't get to watch much of the match play this week. I really didn't. Uh, I wish I would have got to watch more, especially with Bill being in it and being in the hunt for most of it. Uh, but didn't get to watch much. But I'll tell you what, I was I was really excited to come home Friday night and get set up and get ready, get dinner and sit down and be like, all right, let's 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 watch this step ladder. I'm going to say in my only criticism of their schedule and how they're bowling is I really just wish they would use the weekends more. Um, like essentially Sunday is a perfect day for everybody, especially with the travel. weather, how it is across the country right now. Like it's just a good day, like to sit back, like stay home, like uh, cook okay. dinner, watch bowling. Right? Yeah. But wow. you're also talking about it being an internet broadcast too. So like, you know, I think if it's on live TV, then then some of the things you're saying apply more more fully. But I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, I, I agree with you though. Generally speaking, all right, let's uh, let's start our rundown with uh, with running the ladder. All right, let's run the ladder here. And can I make this point before we run the ladder? And I said this on Twitter, and Tom Clark has a you know, I, I guess I, I'll say humorous response. Could could be taken as a sarcastic response. I don't know. You guys can go on and read it yourselves. Uh, I, I just mentioned, you know, I asked, like, why? Because it came up in the Bowl TV chat, too. So I went on Twitter and just asked Tom Clark, like, why four guys for a stepladder in an event where there's, like, no time restraints? No, you know, like, tra- you know, traditional, traditional, we're, we're almost traditional format here with 12 games around Robin match play. 
normally would be 2024, but whatever, you know, still traditional in the sense of the format. And uh, then we're going to take four to the stepladder. Why not take five? There's no time constraints. Give us more of what we love, right? And, you know, he came back and made a joke about it being, oh, 17. Why not make it 17? And I said, I made a joke back saying, yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's no time constraints. Why not make it 22? Right. But yeah, I would, I would like to see the more traditional five man step ladder. I wouldn't mind an, uh, an extra match. You know, uh, there's also in, in the a, another ladder. layer of that, Mike. There's another layer of that is uh, I made a comment about the position round, right? Like if you're only taking four bowlers, the fifth and sixth position round match right. is a little bit less important when you're only oh, yeah. taking four, right? Oh, yeah. When you, have, when you take an odd number, that number five and six match in the position round to get to the show is super – it's more entertaining to me to watch. No. Well, to, to, to clarify that further, the reason that that is is because in the five-man show format – the two people bowling each other are really bowling each other to get on the show or not get on the show. Right. Right. Yeah. But in the four man format, all four people that are bowling each other are all, are on the show. You know, I mean, so technically you can have a situation where three loses to four, right. But five doesn't beat six and six doesn't make up enough ground to jump three and everything remains the same, which is sort of what happened in this situation with Bill, Bill put up a huge game the last game, jumped a couple spots, and you know I believe just missed the show. Uh, Barnes, I think, was in a very similar situation as well. Like, who wouldn't want to see Barnes or Bill on this show? Like, add Barnes or Bill to the show. Are you telling me that 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 makes it that makes it worse? It doesn't make it worse. So you know, just just an observation before we start. All right, first first match was uh, was Buttriff against Santu. Santu looked good, so good the first like game and a half. Um, the one interesting thing about game the show, and seven Mike, frames, it was match was over. It wasn't even a match. Uh, Butcher only, only struck once in the first four frames. Yeah, and Santu like had the look. Shot two eighty. Shot two eighty. I mean, um, yeah, Butcher Butcher only struck once in the first four frames, and it was pretty much over because Santu had it and he wasn't missing. And yeah, he ended up shooting 280. So like, even even when Butcher found it later in the game and ended the game with a huge string, it was it was somewhat irrelevant. I mean, and I, I talked to you a little bit about this before that before we went on air. That it, to me it was more entertaining when you had Santu throwing a new release motive ball, um, just like it was with the new Black Venom, which looks pretty good. And any black ball history of a black ball always turns out to be. A great ball for some reason. Um, venom just like, keeps stamping that ven- just keeps stamping that venom on him. Uh, right? uh, um, motive, yeah. But then, like, yeah, uh, and it looked really good. And he made it look really good this week. Uh, you know, gonna give it the ammo. A lot of a lot of cannonballs to, to the patch pirates. I, well, I'm considering motive for worst of the week on Thursday because they put out patch pirate porn. By by putting up a post about a mystery ball that was being thrown, a black mystery ball, and they had all the they had all the patch pirates for motive going crazy. And let's be clear, motive motive might have the 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 worst roster of patch pirates I've seen. Okay, so I'm just saying. Um. Yeah, we'll have to wait for Thursday. That's Thursday. Let's stick to Um, topic. Yeah. So, but stick to topic here is that. You know, I, I like to see the new releases getting thrown. Uh, okay. And that was always my problem with watching your thing uh, getting thrown. Um, but, so I don't uh, mind if but, you have but, four bowlers and two of them are throwing your thing. But, okay, but the irony of you saying that is that the Purple Hammer is still there. You know, you, B- Buttriff is still there. You're still going to have, you know, the, 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 the chorus of people who say, oh, Purple Hammer, your thing, this guy doesn't belong there, but, you know. I mean, so you're still going to have that. So, so thoughts on that, even though what you're saying is true. Um, I mean, at this point, we have to be realistic with ourselves. Urethane's not going away. Um, you know, I mean, maybe one day the you the, with all the testing that they do, they might like come in and say, yeah, like we need more consistency in the in, in the testing, and they get rid of it. But for now, at this present date, the PBA tour, you we have to accept the fact that urethane is going to be thrown. If you have a show, uh, you have to also expect that there's going to be, you know, if you have four players, maybe at least half of them will be throwing urethane. 
Um, if it's a five man show, you it wouldn't it doesn't surprise me any these days where it's three, it's three out of five, out of five. Here, right? Um, but for me, I like seeing a new ball getting thrown, a new release, and it wasn't like a venom shock. It was a new ball that you've never seen before. So like that was made it more appealing for me to watch. And I'm yeah, just- another another example of that later in the show too, and we we discussed this all online. You you brought this to my attention. Uh, was was Dom, and he was using the black, the new Black Widow as well, the 2.0, the hybrid, the red one, um, which looks great because, you know, he had four or five or something drilled or, or different ways, and to me, that's how you know a ball is good. Yeah. When you have a guy who's the caliber of Dom Barrett, who's one of the best players in the world, triple count winner, all that, and he drills one ball out of. Think about how many Brunswick new releases get released. I mean, they have you know, nine new releases every three months, it feels like. And now you have him putting, you know, six of the same ball in his bag. It just shows you, like, you really, if you really want to drill balls and you really want to get an idea of what's good and what's not, really pay attention to what the highest level pros are throwing. And what's going down the lane a lot. Mm-hmm. What you, if, if you see a ball going down the lane a lot, drill that ball because that's oh. probably a good one. And even like if the same ball is getting drilled seven different ways with five different surfaces, right? You know that ball's got it, um, and you don't see that a lot with certain bowling balls. But uh, like I said, all these new releases, and you have Don Barrett essentially having all these same ball in his bag, taking up all spots, and so you know it's a good one. So yeah, to me, no that's doubt. Awesome. All right, so uh, Santu wins against Butcher, right? Santu moves on to bowl Dom. Uh, Santu up early against Dom, right? Dom, Dom kind of comes out struggling a little, a little bit. Uh, I think he spared in, in Double. two out of the first five frames. He's going to nine too. He got a real He bad did, break. he did, but he had three strikes in the first five frames and Santu comes out and only misses once in the first seven frames. Okay. Yeah, through seven, seven through seven frames in this match, we had a, uh, a match reminiscent of the of the Ozio Albi match, okay, where it was you know not as good, but two seventy nine, two sixty eight pace through seven frames in this match, okay, and then Santu gets up on the left lane, he gets up on the right lane in the seventh frame and throws a pretty good shot that goes somewhat light and smacks out the five pin, right, and then gets up on the left lane and. And throws what I thought looked like a, a, a pretty good shot, you know, for how he was playing them. And he's seven tens. He's seven tens in the eighth frame. And it and let's be honest, it, it can it completely uh it completely changed the, the complexion of this match. It's funny, like I feel like there's always a few shots during a, a, a TV stepladder where you could see the lane start to transition based on how the pins fall. And to me, that five pin of how Santu like mixed that five pin and it, it went down late was like the shot where all of a sudden um, you start to see the lanes transition, start carrying down. Um, and then you slowly watch the transition. And then, you know, obviously we'll talk about the, the final match, but obviously that got Don Barrett at, at the end. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was a really good match. It was the best match of the show, obviously. I mean, uh, it, it, am I wrong that that looked like one of those shots that prop that that you know should have been nine spare? It definitely should have shouldn't have been eight. Look, if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle, Mike. I mean, the I'm game just saying, complete what complete what ifs. I mean, think about so, it. Bowling's not a fair sport. I know. Like, I hear you. Know, I'm just yeah. saying, like that. That was just it was it was tough. It really it was a it was a tough way to see the momentum in that match change, and it did change, right? right? So uh, he he goes eight eight open there, right? And Dom gets up and with a with a strike and a nine spare in response, uh, Dom puts himself in a spot where he can't be shut out, right? He sits down through nine frames. No matter what Santu does, he can't be shut out. Santu's going through a somewhat of a transition. Where he's probably going to have to make a move and do do a little something to make to, to try and get the ball to strike. He gets up on the right lane. He goes nine spare. Throws probably what was 
I, and even the announcer said they thought it was his worst and most inaccurate shot of the game. And then he gets up on the left lane, doubles, right? Se- seems like he doesn't really have much problem on that left lane for leaving the 7-10. But all Dom needed at that, part, at that point was a mark. And you put somebody like Dom in a position where all he needs is a mark, and it's over. He's so good, and he. I, I, I. Every time I watch Dom Bauer at bowl, I get so like, just he's so solid. His the way he's balanced, his fundamentals, just everything he does is so right. You know what I mean? And it's it, it's so fun to watch him bowl. Um, but he's so he's pretty good under pressure too. I mean, he if he throws it, he normally throws it when he needs it. So he gets up, it's a, it and throws. A great shot online no no issues almost a 10 stood uh but he he kicked it out and yeah i mean santu 710 came to bit him in the ass really i feel like that was santu's match um ultimately though and we will talk a little bit after though i felt like that was santu's tournament that he it slipped away for him uh in general one like, shot well i mean yeah and then one the, shot the, in the, in the and, and, right. and listen if he if he even gets nine spare on that seven ten, I mean, I think yeah. the worst he does is tie. You know, I'd have to do the math on that, but um, yeah, it's it, it was it was a tough way to see it end. But you know, Sancho right. with another another step ladder. So okay, shout so to him. Finals because this was well, the final was over quicker than it started. Here's the thing. Here's the thing we have. To, here's the thing we have to talk about before we talk about the final. And Tom has talked a lot about this in the booth, and you told me before we started this show that you wanted to talk about this. And I think this is the appropriate time to to talk about it. Uh, the amount of practice for the entering player versus the returning player on the on the pair. So one thing that was being highlighted by Tom Hess and Mike Flanagan in the in the commentary of this was that basically I, I think and and I might have this somewhat wrong because I'm you know I, this was Friday that I watched it. But I think they were saying Simo got to pretty much bowl a full game, like 10, 10 frames, basically. Okay. 100%. That's what we Between, said. yeah, between the Dom, end of Dom's shot. match, right? Between the end of Dom's match and the start of the championship match. And Dom gets no practice going right. into that championship match, right? And I got to say, like, I'm not taking, I'm certainly, certainly not taking anything away from Simo and saying this. But just to comment on the, the the perspective of the rule or the way the things are done, uh, yeah, that that's something that should really be up for discussion for change. Well, not only does he get to throw ten shots on that pair, he also was throwing a urethane ball. Um, so obviously, there's going to be some some lane transition of he's just throwing urethane and. Of course, what does Dom do when he gets up to start the match? He's literally his ball is now going probably, I'd say probably two to three feet longer at the break point um, than it was in the previous match. So, you know, Simo starts the match fireballing like 10, right? Great look, putting 10 to pit. Dom is going like, you know, two, eight, 10. Then he's like light 10 pin. Then he goes another two eight ten. Now he's got to literally make a ball switch in the middle of the game, which he made a pretty good ball switch. Even after the ball switch, he strikes, and then he comes again and comes light again. So yes, Simo's practice with his urethane completely transitioned that pair uh, in a negative way for for Dom, and it definitely in a short one game match, that was the difference. I mean, he Dom could never get his feet on the rim for the rest of the game. Well, I mean, it was over. I mean, Simo was going to put up a, a ridiculous number with what he was doing. You know, what he was doing was clearly working. Uh, and, you know, with what he was doing, he was going to put up some a, a high number. And Dom opened twice in the first three frames. And, you know, you're giving, you're giving a shark like Simonson blood in the water. And all he's going to do is just eat you alive. That's all he's going to do. You, 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 give, you give a shark like him blood in the water and that dude is straight going to eat eat you alive and that's what dom did and that doesn't take anything away from dom i mean he like like we just discussed with the practice he's in he's in sort of a tough situation to begin with but yeah you you know you can't come out like that in a championship match against somebody like simo especially when he's playing him like that in a way where i felt at least that 
he he was gonna he was gonna have to throw somewhat of a really errant shot to find himself in some serious trouble. Yeah. Um, so Nico brings up a good point. Is this the way the strategy is for you know uh, Simo getting ten shots and Dom? Is, is that and just an advantage of being the number one seed? Instead of them bowling a two-game match, mm. or or, or, or Dom having to beat, yeah, instead of Dom having to beat Simo twice, which is kind of has sometimes how I feel it should be if you're the number one seed. Um, is this just a way to give the number one seed an advantage for being the number one seed? I don't think that's yeah, but in our current environment, I mean, with 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 ten shots, you can you can actually like purposely manipulate the lane if you really wanted to. There you go, but and that's then, the and then, the, and then I know, I know, but like that's that shouldn't be what the game's about. I feel like that's not in the spirit of the game, you know. <laughs> it's it's all sportsmanship, my man. That's yeah, I mean, you that's take crazy. it as if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I know. Could you imagine if Simo got up and literally like threw his 10 pin like eight shots out of the 10 and threw two strike balls? I mean, how what I mean, could you imagine like? what would the outburst or what would the feedback be from people if he was just throwing his plastic balls on the middle of the lane for eight shots? I mean, ultimately, he could screw himself that way, too, if he's not careful, right, throwing a urethane. But the way his line was playing, uh, you know, he had a better chance of screwing up Dom's shot than himself. But right. interesting conversation, though. It's, 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 it's a interesting 10-shot practice uh on a, on a pair, I think that's a little bit crazy. Now, if they let Dom throw shots too, how many? I think like five. I think if they gave him half, I was going to say four. I was going to say four. Two two frames worth of shots, right? Yeah. So I'd be interested to see. Like, imagine, imagine if you gave Arnie Goldman ten shots on a pair before he was getting up on a step ladder. He'd be throwing backup balls with like hundred grit, like on the left side if he was bowling a lefty. There's just so much sportsmanship you could do on a 10 shot like practice pair. Uh, it's actually an interesting, uh, you know, debate that the PBA should think about maybe discussing if they really want a completely fair playing field for the like final match of these tournaments. So is there, is there a bigger story here? Like is, is the hot take in a situation like this where you, where you see what Simo did versus how what everybody else did in this tournament or in this final particularly is the hot take here that uh technology and bowling is overrated you mean by technology like the performance bowling balls yeah overrated in what sense overrated that people think that they're the answer to everything but you have a guy you know go out and and beat everybody using uh, you know, antiquated technology, and you know, doing it, doing it re in a really simple fashion. I would say. You could argue that the new urethane technology is fits the game better today's than the high performance technology. Mm. The new urethane technology isn't an obsolete technology. Obviously, it's working. So. And the way it's it's obviously custom better. It's fit better for today's game than the new the high performance stuff. Now, I think a lot of the high performance balls obviously. So so so, so so new urethane is not old urethane. Oh no! Today's urethane is, is not yesterday's urethane. Oh no! Do you I mean, understand? I, okay. I, I had an old uh, urethane ball, like, and I tried throwing it. It was a like. I don't remember what what it even was, and I mean those those old urethanes go straight. I mean there's not even it's not even a close comparison to what the new urethanes are doing. It's so weird. I'd like to get a I'd like to get a ball chemist on here and talk about why that is. You I mean, we, yeah, there's a bunch of people it's, I could get on. It's somewhat it's somewhat wild. Yeah, but but you know, true, true. I would imagine absolutely. But okay, you know, and listen, I'm not saying that that's my take. I want to be clear about that. That's not my take, but I'm just asking like is is that is that the hot, a hot take to have uh when you see somebody like Simo do what he did this week. Now, it's funny that someone mentions this in the chat. Scott Scott ST33 says uh 
SPI Crispin can't be happy with his staffers using pitch blacks. Uh, I have I have on my notes here uh, that I don't know who saw this or who didn't. I I put out on Twitter like a little a little piece of of the of the photo, and uh, Steph is the guy who pointed it out to me originally. But Roto Grip sent out a thing about Simonson winning. Okay, and in the thing that they sent out. They actually they actually photoshopped a TNT over his pitch black. He's holding the pitch black after the it's a picture of him after the tournament <laughs> holding the pitch black. Oh, and they photoshopped a TNT, poorly photoshopped, by the way, because you could see the bottom of the pitch black in the photo. Uh so poorly photoshopped as well. Uh a TNT on on, on top of the pitch black. Okay. And yes, they did. Kevin Weeks in the chat is saying no, they did. You can go to the Roto Grip Facebook page, and you can you can look that up. Okay, I'm, you can I'm go to my right Twitter now, account I'm, too. I'm going. Yeah, right you, listen, if you want to pull it up, pull it up. But you I'm can go to my to. Twitter account too. And I actually zoomed. I edited the photo to zoom in on the on the photo show on the Photoshop. Okay, yeah. so you know Jeff. Jeff is in, your brother is in the chat saying. They don't care, but I don't know, Jeff. Like if they're do, if they're if they're photoshopping the brand new ball that just came out over the pitch black that he won with, do they care or do they not care? I think they do care. Yeah. You know? Oh wait, I got it. Um, so I'm. Let's see if I can pull. I'm gonna pull this up real quick. I think this is the picture you were talking about. Uh, yeah, that's it. Go to the, now. If there's a way you can zoom in. On the actual picture, you'll see at the bottom of the picture that the 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 black of the pitch black is sticking out underneath uh, underneath the ball. Right yep. there, you mean right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see it a little bit already. Zoom in a little more. There you go. Now you can really see it. <laughs> Zoom in a little more. Yep. There that's, you go. That's right here, right? Yep. Dude, how funny is that? Um. So here's my uh, here my take Twilight. on. Is uh, that and uh, real quick? Jeff's making a point that he did use the TNT a lot during qualifying. I know I saw I watched I watched a lot of qualifying and he did use it a lot, but still, I mean, I don't know. Like to me, that says we want to sell TNTs. I mean, is it is that, is that a wrong conclusion for me to reach from that? Um, like, come so on, Jeff, you're my- a lawyer, you don't reach that same conclusion. You graduated from Stuyvesant. Come on. Photogate. Um, so my observation here is I would really like to, to know what the percentage of sales are on a bowling ball when a, a, a pro uses it on TV, like a new release. And I'm not talking about the streaming finals, right? I mean, yeah, there's still a little bit of probably. But when a, a pro makes. You want to see if it takes off after of a ball is on TV and a guy you know it does it. because they give incentives to the pros to use them on TV. So there's obviously some kind of monetary uh you know uh percentage uh for when a pro uses a high performance ball on a TV. Uh so I would really like to know those numbers and obviously I probably already know the answer without having to see those numbers, you know, just based on compensation on incentives which a lot of the uh, the companies aren't doing these days. At least I know Brunswick, their incentive, they don't really, I don't think they even have an incentive for their high staffing pros anymore. Um, I think Storm always has some kind of incentive. Uh, but when you have a guy like Simonson who probably wants to win rather than use a, a high performance and, and make some incentive money, uh, you know, they have to weigh the balance. But it ain't like it used to be, Mike. And I know Charlie Tapp is, I think, in the, in, in the chat. And I'm sure he could talk to some of the really big incentive deals that were, you know, given out back back in the like set 80s, right? And even before that, uh, where they used to have a list in the paddock uh, of if you threw this ball on TV, you get paid this amount of money. Um, and you know, at that point, I mean, even today, it was it was some pretty pretty big incentive uh, incentives. So, so I think I think that tells you that at least one that it, at at least one time or for one period of time. There was probably a, a strong belief amongst the bowling ball companies that you having a ball used on TV was going to sell that ball. Oh, there's definitely a correlation between sales and a new ball getting thrown. 
And just as a consumer, how many times, Mike, and we talked about this, how many times did I see a new release getting thrown on TV? And I literally mid-match called a pro shop and ordered it. I know. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I, I would think that it's probably pretty significant based it on, is. you know, if you think how you think when you see new balls on TV or how I would think or how younger people think when they see new balls on TV, yeah, I, I think that, you know, one of the one of the best things about watching bowling on a Saturday afternoon was not knowing what new balls you were going to see on that show and being like, oh, my God, what ball is that? And, like, by the end of the end of the show, somehow you would figure out what ball they'd either say it or – I'd be calling people. You know, I'd yeah, be on you'd be landline. calling people, right? You know, I'd you're right. I'd be on my landline. Yeah, I'd you're absolutely right. And then if you, didn't, if you didn't find out by Saturday afternoon – when you showed up at the JBT on Sunday, that John and Mark Halliday were were guaranteed to have that ball. So you could just go up to them okay. with their 16-ball donkey roller and be like, hey, John, what was that ball that uh, that Johnny Petraglia was throwing on TV yesterday? And he would pull it right out of his 16-ball donkey roller and be like, oh, it was the fire quantum. It's right here. I have one. I have one. It's a great ball. So great. I love it. I remember if you, didn't I, get I, that, if you didn't get that, I'm sorry. Sometimes we have to we have to journey down roads that not everybody's familiar with here. I remember I had my black book and I would just go through like the landlines. I'd be like calling Bill, like Ryan Snyder. Like it was yeah. just like all my list. And I'd be like, yo, what balls are you throwing? Do you know? They'd be like, no, I don't. I don't like like if we weren't bowling, like if we were home essentially. But most of the time we watched a lot of those shows in the bowling alley bowling. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if if you know it does have an impact. But uh, sure all right, no, uh, okay. So uh, two things I want to talk about here quickly before we do the rest of our rundown. Um, Simo's versatility. Somebody, I think Nico brought it up in the chat earlier. Uh, Simo's versatility, right? Like he, he he's definitely the most versatile player on tour, and he's two hander, which makes it even wild. Like I know. Crazy. I know he can do so many different things and his thought process out there as to how to get the job done is different, but effective. Kids got balls of steel. He's not afraid to do shit. Not afraid to do shit. He's not afraid to try shit. He's not afraid to like do. Well, he's not afraid to commit to it though is the thing. Like trying it is one thing, but Saying no, I'm gonna do this and stick to it and make it work is a, is a completely different thing. It's a confidence level that not a lot of people have. Essentially, the confidence in his own ability to do things and different things is what separates him from a lot of other people on tour. Yeah, uh, it's you know who so like before. Before Simo, who would be the most most versatile player player Norm, on tour? Norm Duke. Okay, no is, hesitation. Is 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 Bill in that conversation as well? Yes, yes I feel like he is. Right, I feel is, like Bill Bill Barnes, is pretty versatile. Barnes, Barnes, I would say yes as well. Uh, um, I, would you put Belmo in that conversation? Yeah, he has to be for all the tournaments he's won. Uh, I don't. I, I'll be honest. I mean, like I would put him above like Norm. Of being of how versatile Norm was, to me, I've I've Prather, 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 definitely Prather is versatile, but nobody was Prather definitely. Prather probably is is right behind Simo. That that's, yeah. Kevin Boston. Weeks, that's a great point. That's a great point in the chat. Uh, so Boston. yeah, listen, de- definitely uh, impressive versatility from Simo. Impressive thinking out there. You know, just generally an impressive win, impressive bowling all week. Really, um, you know, he—he's—you're right. He—you don't often see him dominate from wire to wire like Tackett does occasionally. But man, he was—he was just hanging around the top of the standings all week. All right, second thing, uh, and then we'll get to the rest of our rundown here and give our give our category winners. Um, Simo's climbing climbing the ladder of history at a very young age, man. Yeah. It really is. Like when 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 you look at the, the the other people that have eleven titles, okay, like you know, you're talking you're talking pretty rarefied air. So let me ask um, you on that point, do you think the dom the, the domination of Belmo the last like five years has taken away some of that shine from 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 Simo? 
No. Well, yes, yes. Uh, the, the obvious answer is yes to that. How could you say no, right? Because the number one guy is the number one guy, and that's that. And let's be clear, Belmo has been the number one guy, right? But I'm going to say no in the sense that he's so young. Like, comparing him and Belmo, it, it isn't even fair. It isn't even a fair comparison because Belmo is so is so further along in his career than Simo is. I mean, Simo Simonson is like really at the at the at the infancy beginning stage of his career. Rob, he has eleven freaking titles, and he's literally like at the beginning. There's a lot of guys out there right now that that didn't even win a title until they were older than twenty five. I think it's Simo's going to be what's going to really separate him in the next 10 years or, you know, maybe work against him is his mental game. If Simonson can like not be his own worst enemy, which he's not right now, obviously he's winning and he's making shows. And I don't think that's the case, but he's going to get more mature and he's going to even get more experience. And he's going to, between his versatility and how physically gifted that kid is, uh, you know, he, he, he has a possibility, a chance to really go down as the greatest bowler of all time at this age. Like, he's really on that path right now. Um, you know, the way he's starting this year off and what he's done in his young career, I mean, that's safe to say. It really is. Let me let me for a second read you some of the names. Simonson has 11 titles, right? Here's some of the names of the people that have 10 titles. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Wes Malott. Wow. Doug Kent, huh. Steve Hoskins, Brian Goble. Are you ready for this name? Dom Barrett. Okay. Yeah, Simonson okay. has more titles already than Dom Barrett has in his career. Okay. Here's here's name one one recognizable name with eleven, right? David Ozio. Okay. Twelve. Jesper, Jesper, probably another name we don't talk enough about uh, in terms of you know him him climbing this historical ladder. Danny Wiseman, twelve. Man, these, are, these are legends, okay. dude. These thirteen, are legends. thirteen titles. Simo's two titles away from this from this group. Are you ready? Randy Peterson. This is thirteen titles. Randy Peterson, Bill O'Neill, Del Ballard, Patrick Allen. He's two titles away from that son, and he's twenty-five years old. That's crazy. I mean, crazy man. Now, now, where I see, saw a comment from somebody there about EJ Tackett. How many total titles does EJ Tackett have? Uh, I think he's around. Let's see. Uh, my 14. guess would be like around that area. Fourteen. I don't. I don't see him on this list. Maybe he's less than that. No, not eighteen. I don't think he's got that many. He is eighteen. No. Oh, look. Yeah, he does. 18. Okay. 18 titles. So seven more titles over the next five years for Simonson to, to be on pace with Tackett. Right? I mean, I think that's more than doable. Well, dude, I, I think mean, it's more than doable. I think it's you got a chance of like guys like EJ and Simon both like beating uh, the title like record, honestly. Um you know, I, again, I think Simo has a better shot at that because well, he's younger, more he's consistent, younger. more consistent. You know, he's probably going to have more chances on shows because of that consistency. Where EJ, you know, with the with the inconsistency, uh, you know, you're going to have to take advantage of like every show you make. Whereas yeah. Simo, when it's all said and done, is probably going to again probably might have more TV appearances than anybody. When it's all said and done, that's another record he could possibly assault. So interesting, interesting man. Interesting. You know, I love, I love the, I, listen, I'm sorry if you're, if anybody's bored by this, uh, I'm, I'm a bowling historian. Like I love to talk about the history of the game and who fits in where. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's really interesting to me. And I, I've thought in the last couple of days, I thought a lot about, uh, you know, Simonson and, and, and where he's at. Okay. Hey, Kevin, real quick, I like to pull up this comment because it's a good point. Biggest question about two-handers is the longevity, the way they throw the ball takes a physical toll. Will they still be able to throw it like that in their 40s? 
we've talked about this before on the show. It's still um, unanswered because, you know, we're still in that, like, Belmo is starting to get into that, like, 40-year-old range. Uh, and to me, he's probably the one that's going to – I guess we're going to find out uh, if, you, if you're able to bowl in, in your 40s. I think it is possible. I think that when you bowl two-handed, you do use a lot of legs as a two-hander. So I think the only thing issue I could see with being two-handed is uh, your um, uh, back. I could see back problems, the way they just have to throw, you know, that awkward back, the way they bend over and whatnot. And then, you know, I think they'll have problems like any other bowler that does. It's, it, these guys bowl so many games a week, Mike. You're going to have physical problems. The question is, is it going to be major physical problems or just like, you know, just like like little minor issues that, you know, some of the a lot of the pros deal with. I mean, look at Praver like Prather is uh, dealing with a big wrist injury right now. And, he, and he's rash. Rash has a back issue going. Rash, rash has a back. Wes Malott is hurt. He hasn't bowled the last event or two. Yeah. So anyway, I think it's a good point, but. I think we, we really I was, know it's uncertain. This is a good point, too. Brett, Brett Fancher in the chat brings up. Si Simo bends over a lot more. You're he right. He does, but he's also shorter, which I think people don't consider. Like, he's low to the ground to begin with already. So, um, I don't know. It's, it, it, it is an interesting question, though. Well, Matt, Walter he says Walter is 100, and he's throwing it two-handed. I'm sure he'd argue with you about being 100. But the key to that is Walter didn't throw two-handed his whole career. Walter didn't start bowling two-handed like for, until like the last couple of years. The majority, if not ninety-eight percent of his career, he bowled one-handed. So um, anyway, yeah. So all right, Mike, let's get through the rundown here. Um, all right, let's do it. Let's uh, uh, let's let's start with I see you, Hoss. Cool. Do you want you want to go first, or you want me to go? Yeah, I'm gonna give it to uh, I'm gonna give it to somebody who didn't make the show, didn't you know, didn't okay. finish that high. So you know, so to speak, in the standings, but uh, David David Boog Kroll, you know, like I see you, Hoss. Anytime this guy comes out and and bowls a tour event, he seems to really impress. He seems to make a run. He was leading at one point this week. He threw like thirty one in a row. You know, he's he's on. He's all over my my social media feed. I see you, Hoss. Boog, see you, Hoss. My ICU Haas goes to uh, Santu. Um, no, no doubt. Santu was literally going to win. I thought he was going to win this tournament. And he was one of my picks uh, midway through the tournament that I just had a gut feeling that Santu was going to make a run. Because uh, I feel like he's on that right now uh, brink of really starting to get comfortable out there and starting to really like see how good he is. So, yeah, Santu... You know, you kind of let the tournament slip a little bit, but man, what a great, a great run! And I kind of feel like we're going to see him win a title this year. Uh, man, how good, there. how good were you feeling if you had money on Santu before that eighth frame? Man, I mean, eighth. man, I know I would have been feeling, I would have been feeling really confident. Yeah, I mean, he was plus uh -huh. like eleven hundred or thirteen hundred, like mid tournament. But so. that's why bowling's a great sport because one shot can just change it. One shot can change the whole complexion of everything. All right. Let's go dumpster diving gold medal. Who you got? Uh, I think you know <laughs> who I'm going with. <laughs> I the I probably I kind of feel like I do, but I hope it's not. Go ahead. Sorry, Haas. Brian Simonelli, you get uh, dumpster diving. Uh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you were gonna do it. Hey. Uh the first thing I do is scan the bottom of the, you know, uh, bottom of the standings, Mike. And I hope he's okay physically. Oh, is that what happened? That. He was I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I have no if, clue. Oh, let me make it clear here. If he was injured and he didn't bowl, be, you know, or missed games or DNF, he didn't DNF because I checked that before I give the dumpster diving. But if he was hurt in any way, I will refute my dumpster diving gold he medal. He did DNF. Oh, he did. I didn't. He withdrew. See yeah, he withdrew. I okay. think somebody who withdrew is still eligible for for dumpster diving gold medal, though. Well, not if he's injured. I think. I, I, I don't know if he was injured. I don't know. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I watched him bowl a lot because he was bowling on Bill's pair uh -huh. or around Bill's pair. Might have been on Bill's pair. And I don't know, man. It seemed like he was out there, kind of just like going through the motions. See, I don't. I looked at the standings, Mike. And I'm looking at him right now. 
And there isn't a WD next to his name. now. Yeah, I- but that's because the PBA website is terrible, and you have to go to a different place to get the actual final standings. Brett Fancher so says why. he gave up. He did, yeah. Okay, so, all right. That's a complete you gotta you get two gold medals, uh dumpster diving okay. for giving up. Um my dumpster yeah. diving gold medal now, Nico in the chat mentioned Chris Vi. Yeah, I but I that. heard I heard in the broadcast at some point that he might be dealing with an injury, and that's why he wasn't performing well. So I'm gonna pass that one up, even though I recognize that too. And I'm gonna go with Nick Pate. Nick Pate lurking, lurking at the bottom of the standings. Dumpster diving gold medal. Gotta I, get I, it to I, him. All right, so my can't question, give it to Kyle Sherman. Yeah, I was going to say, well, Kyle Sherman can't give it to Kyle Sherman. Why? Kyle Sherman is he's coming off of an injury. It's the first tournament of the year. He bowled, so you know, come on, we're reasonable here at Dumpster Diving Gold Medal. You know, you got to be you got to be fully in it to to be eligible for that. All right, let's go, uh, Milk Carton. Uh, and Milk, Milk Carton, Carton, to be clear, is a guy who has been quote-unquote missing. They've been on the milk carton. Now they're back around. We we saw them. Oh, it's like they're not missing anymore. Take them off the milk carton. Okay, who do you got? Uh, Christian Ascona. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's yeah, a good my guy's one. Been in dumps- my guy's been in top three dumpster diving for the past two tournaments. That's a good one. So, good to see Christian Ascona. He finished uh, 13th place. So, he you know, he found a way to uh, make it, uh, make the top 22. So, you know, I, I'm I we, we we've been hard on our guy. He was on our show. Great guy, Christian. We, we and we've been hard hard on him, but we have got to give credit credits too. You know, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, Robert gave it to Bill. <laughs> I don't know about that. Bill's been bowling pretty good, man. Bill's, Bill's been, been working at the top of the standings. He hasn't been missing. Um, I'm gonna go Josh Blanchard. Perfect. I'm gonna go Josh Blanchard. Bill, oh, yeah. Bill Carr, and I mean retired. Uh, regional director. Holds my lead. All of a sudden, he shows up. Wichita Open, his old stomping grounds. Yep. He hasn't been around. Where you been, Josh? Haven't been bowling up. Here I am, Wichita Open, North Rock. I'm back. I'm not missing anymore. Take me off the milk cart. And I'm getting a check. I'm getting a check, too. So, shout to him, milk cart, to Josh Blanchard. yeah. Now he's got to go wake up call back to reality when he bowls Tuesday nights at Bolero. Yeah, David Tolson in the chat says D-Tang. That's another good one. I had yeah. D-Tang on my list as well, but I decided to go with uh, with Blanchard. All right, let's go. Uh, this was a tough one this week because there were, I didn't feel like there was a lot of significant spare uh, shenanigans, but we'll go spare shooter. Oh, man. Um, I thought this was easy. I thought this was so easy. It's Stu Williams. I mean, he made the seven ten once. He almost made it twice. He almost did it twice. I'm gonna give him spare shooter for his seven ten. Yeah, um, I would probably give it to Stu. Also, I didn't really have anybody for this because I normally look to see uh, of spares uh, spares that were missed on the show. I think that's usually my like how there I weren't it. any, and I didn't watch enough qualifying and match play to. Um, to see if there was any really significant spares missed in like the position round or whatnot. So I'm going to pass on this week for spare. Shooter. Okay. All right. No spare shooter award for Rob. All right. We're going to last, last category. We're going to go ride with, not ride with, uh, not ride with. I'm going to go Michael Tang. I'm not, I'm not riding with Michael Tang because he got beat by a regional director for the check for the last check. A, re- a retired regional director snuck you out for the last check, son. Like, I don't want to ride home with him after finishing this little mini swing. I don't want to ride home with Michael Tang after the regional director just snuck me out for a check. Mm. Yeah, I don't want to. I'm not riding with uh, Chris Vi. <sighs> okay. Uh, he's high. well. They're actually probably riding together because they own a pro shop together and whatnot. So, so that's a good pick by us. We're just avoiding that car in total. I'm not. I don't. I, he's been, you know, probably so far having a pretty disappointing year. Uh, so I wouldn't ride with him. Uh, who am I riding with this week, Mike? I'm riding with the Beef and Barnsy show this week, Mike. Oh, oh okay. Um, I like to be in that car because Barnes, uh, you know, sixth place, made a great run, 
good to, whose I think birthday was yesterday. So happy birthday to Chris Barnes, getting up there in age, uh, as well as my brother. Yeah, the doctor. Yeah, I think they actually might have the same birthday. Uh, so happy birthday, my brother Jeff and Chris Barnes. Um, and Stu is, uh, you know, having a good year so far. Pretty solid year, I think. Uh, you know, he's. I think he's going to break through eventually here. Uh, but he's been, you know, hovering around the cuts. He's been, you know, up there making it. So I think so far it's been a pretty good uh, showing for Beef and Barnsey. I had two thoughts about Ride With. My first thought was I want to ride with uh, Bill, Tommy, and DJ. That's such a great car ride. Isn't it? I, like, that might be my choice every week that any one of them bowls good. Not, like, you know, it's I'm just it's going to be – it's going to be fun conversation. It's probably going to be good music, at least bearable music. No bowling you, talk. Uh, there's probably going to be a lot of bowling talk, but it's no. probably going to be all like high-level comical bowling talk, which I'm all about. I mean, put put me right in there. You're probably going to eat well. You know, those guys aren't stopping at McDonald's to eat. They ain't getting the the sushi from the gas station. Okay, they know better than this. These are these are these are journeyman veteran out there okay yeah, i was gonna i was gonna say shot it shot it wrote uh make sure the DraftKings count is in good standing because you know the bets are going to be flowing do you remember um a ride where belmo took with tony lacaz and uh, belmo was live tweeting tony lacaz's conversations might have been the greatest twitter like moment of belmo's career in my opinion tony lacaz would measure rides in how many blunts he would smoke on the ride. When I would ask him how long was the ride, he'd be like, five blunts. I'm like, what? Dude, so I would love to hear uh, the DJ Archer, Tommy Joe, because I've like lived in the house with them during the like World Series of Bowling. So I have an idea of like the conversations that are being had with these guys and the betting and, and you know, and, and it's – Dude, it's hilarious. Like, and I asked Bill when he Bill told me like he was like riding with them. I was like, dude, that's gotta be super entertaining. Like, he's like, yo, it is nonstop hilarious. Like, it's just hilariously funny. So uh plus, yeah. like they play poker, so we're probably gonna stop at a casino or two on the way. DJ like, Archer though is super just, hilarious, though. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to talk with him, like just like bullshit with him. Yo, my guy is literally hilarious. Like, if anybody's ever got to talk to him, Tony Lacaz no. is bowling again in the Chicagoland area. Nice. Still hilarious as always. Let me tell you something. Him, Tony Lacaz is my guy. Okay, Yo, both our guys, man. Yeah, tell Tony Lacaz to reach out. Like yes. we, we, he's at the top of our list for guests we want to have on this show. All right. Oh, so if you know him, make him aware of this show and tell him. We need him on here. That is he our guy my, around here. Okay. He won't respond to my text, even though he's like my guy. I mean, I, I went to college with him. Like, in, I can't even get responses out of him. I drove down when I lived in Chicago, though. I drove down to his league to go visit him a couple years back. So, my uh, my my other my other ride with, and I think we used this one already this year, would be Santu and Tommy Kaiko. I'm riding with those two. I mean, they got to be feeling good, man. Both made a show, good finishes. Going well, you know, they're over in America trying to do their thing. It's working out, seems like it's working out. So all right. Love it. Love it. But well. All right, guys. That's all it. Right. We gave you our rundown. We reviewed the PBA tournament. Uh, another title handed out. I think I think we covered everything that we need to cover. Uh last thought that we want to give here, Rob. Final thought from both of us is is about Bet Rivers. Yes unofficial official sponsors of sweep the rack. And I want to be clear. We don't have a sponsor. They're not sponsoring us, but we found out that there's a, there's an online casino out there that is offering betting on bowling. Okay. I reached out to them about why it wasn't available in New Jersey. Apparently it has to do with some state laws, but it is available in other States. So gambling, if gambling is legal in your state, check it out. Bet Rivers, you can go on there. You can bet PBA Futures right now is the only thing you can bet, but I've already reached out to them, and I, I have an ongoing conversation with them on Twitter. Like They're they're very responsive to, to all the information I'm giving them, and they're telling me that going forward, there's likely going to be more betting options available for PBA events. 
So right now you can only bet futures, like who's going to win, who's going to finish first and second. Okay. But going forward, there might be more betting opportunity. So uh, if, if betting is legal in your state and you can download bet rivers, if that's available in your state, you can check on your own. You probably just go to bet rivers uh, website and check it out. But yeah, Rob, and here's the thing, folks, Rob's in Arizona and it's available in Arizona. So the, the, the corp is back in business. Okay. And let me tell let me tell you, people will love this. Let me tell you what happened this week. We were we were waiting for Rob's account to get cleared, right? He had to send in his information, his ID, and ah, da, 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 they gotta clear oh, yeah, him. There's true. a little bit of a process, so be prepared for that, right? Do it do it this week and get set up for the it tournament. Takes 72 next week. hours to be verified. Right. So Rob sends in all his stuff. It doesn't get verified before the tournament starts. So we missed the opportunity to bet right in the beginning of the tournament. Then it gets verified like right in the middle of the tournament pretty much, right when match play was starting, okay? So I put in a bet of $20 each on Bill and Prather, okay? And what happens? They, they, both, they both get black-clouded, get black-clouded to death. Bill goes from second to out of the show. And Prather misses misses the show by like a hit, pretty much. So okay. what I didn't tell Mike is that I put a bet in for ten dollars on Belmonte at plus eight hundred. Okay, and he was super super close to making that show. Yeah, and I was just like, dude, for the love of God, just get him on that show. And we all know what Belmo could do when he makes the show on a two or three game ladder. So. It made it a lot more fun for me, and it made it even more painful for me that I couldn't watch, like, the match play because I was working Friday, and I'm not about to lose my job trying to watch streaming bowling on a Friday for my, like, work. Um, but, yeah, uh, I love I love that because you could – I mean, I, I'm going to be hitting a lot of those, like, plus 1,300, like, the plus, like, 1,700. Like, oh, some of them are really high, and, I mean, there's, and there's, there's some real – I don't think there's a lot of cap, at least. Like, like Boog Kroll at the beginning of the week this week was some like insane number, and I re- and I thought to myself, like, man, if I could get a bet, and this guy has made runs in PBA events before, like, I would definitely throw ten bucks on him, you know, just to have something on there. So no, I might, maybe I'll start a, a bowling brokerage. She, she's like Shannon's, like I'll take all the winnings, like cut all the winnings. Maybe I'll start a, a brokerage. If you want to bet bowling, come through me. Pump it up 10%, you know, and then, yeah. Robert Hamilton saying he needs to hear our opinion about the Patch Pirate post about the top five balls of SBI. Oh, yeah, a storm. Uh, no, it was a, a – SPI, a I guess he means. No, it was a Bowler's Mart um, post where they just put up a post asking what the top five, like, balls were ever made. And then I put on the Facebook, like, uh, Patch Pirates Assemble, like – Okay. You know, you know, hey, how about how about Bowler's Mart commenting on the Patch Pirates earlier this week? They're, they're, you know, they're pa- like the Patch the Patch Pirate thing is spreading, bro. It's spreading. You know, hopefully, hopefully we get uh we get the goat we get the female goat on to talk about it on uh on Thursday. You know, I'd love to do that for the people. I'm they're ready. I'm ready to give the I'm ready to give an official definition of the uh, of the Patch Pirate. So. Uh, listen, we had fun tonight. We always uh, enjoy. I enjoy chopping it up over the action. This is this is uh, why I enjoy doing this podcast, analyzing the action that goes on. I feel like Rob, this is one of the few places you can get this type of of content where there's going to be honest, deep analyzation of not only the action but also uh, the implications of of the results right and and some of the other things oh that we get God. into here i think nico you nico's a download patch pirate rob you can't hate on uh, him. He's got a lot of subs and nico i'm a hate on him all day every day bro I, all I day every day i don't hate okay? my hates on him i don't i like lewis all day every day okay we do need to hire a lawyer jeff can you get this done for us we'll pay you bro can you get this done trademark it for us please jeff he's he's or Not get somebody in your law firm. Tell us how much. Tell us how much. We want to get that done. Maybe if we have some like like bankruptcy that he's got to go after, but um yeah. oh, he says he's gonna look into it. I like it. Patch pirate gear coming your way. I saw a shirt someone made, a patch pirate shirt. 
Yeah, it was Luke Rossdale. Yeah. Yeah. We should get royalties on that too if he's selling them. Luke, if you're selling yeah, those, I want my money, bro. I want my money. Okay. All I'm right, just Mike. saying. Let me but go all right, guys. We always here. enjoy. Follow us on social media. Uh, I'm at 215th. He's at Brook and Rob 11. There's no bowling this week. So uh, we might be down just to one show, perhaps. Uh, you know, we'll pick it back. We'll do the show this Sunday. I mean, yeah. We'll, sense, no, right? we'll pick it back up again after, after the action resumes. Yeah. So we'll be back um, Thursday to talk this week, just in general, about what's going on. But we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna show Sunday. Makes no sense. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, unless unless I have the schedule wrong, and there's there's gonna be uh, some. Unless kind Mike pulls eight hundred in the sport league, that's the only way. We'll, oh man! Oh, oh no, we'll yeah. be on Thursday to talk about it anyway. So that'd be great. Yeah, but yeah. all right, guys, take it easy. Have a good have a good uh, have a good couple days, and we'll see you back here on Thursday. Please. You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike.